She's eating boys. They like make her really pretty and glowy and her hair looks amazing. Welcome to the second Kill James Bond Halloween special. I am Alice Caldwell Kelly, uh, joined as always by my friends Abigail Thorne and Devon. Malice Caldwell Kelly. Um, yeah, yeah, spooky uh, names. You can do spooky names if you want to. Just mine. write in with the spooky names. Uh, Deathven, oh. and we're jo- and we're joined by YouTuber and actual elected official Mia Mulder. Mia Scolder. Yeah. Yo. It, you, no, no, no. It's <laughs> special agent Mia Mulder working for the X Files. Um, mm. And that's the right. scariest oh, thing of all: an elected official, <laughs> president Ooh. of Sweden, Mia Mulder, Soon. local government, municipal <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> councillor. Ooh. The good kind of Nordic model. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so Classic. the previous the previous Halloween special we watched Van Helsing, right? Which was chiefly noticeable for having a scene which Abby and I described as girls' night. <laughs> we followed up on this. We've doubled down with an even more girls' night horror movie. We watched Jennifer's Body, and the pr- there's a problem immediately, mm-hmm. right? Which is in the course of watching this, both of my co-hosts and our guest <laughs> just mentioned to me something with, with which I fundamentally disagree, but I'm outvoted. Abby, would you like to introduce very briefly what the conflict in this episode is going to be? This film, listeners, is about 9-11 and the Iraq War. No, it's it not. Is. No, it's, it's, no, it's not. It's about 9-11. It is. It is. <laughs> It's, it's about, about girls and female friendships and male violence, but also the secondary theme is 9-11. Yeah. And the following war on terror and exploitation of the Middle East, oil and natural resources. Yes. What, what, what I hope to do over the course of the next hour and change is to convince at least one of you, and more importantly the <laughs> listener, that this movie is not about 9-11. It, just, it references 9-11. It's aware of 9-11. It's it's all okay. about 9-11. So Jennifer, mm-hmm. Jennifer's, Jennifer's body, we begin with um, Jennifer, who is played by Megan Fox, looking kind of fucked up, gross teeth, like eating her own hair, watching TV in the dark. And we get a jump scare as something rustles outside. And what it is, is a woman, Amanda Seyfried, in the window, in a hoodie, we get a jump scare. And then we smash cut forward. Oh, also, mm-hmm. we get the uh, the opening line, which is important. Hell is a teenage girl. It's themes. That's themes, baby. Does it mention 9-11? It does not. I rest my not. case. Um, It'd be insane for the opening line <laughs> of a movie to be, remember 9-11? <laughs> well, I, as I will explain later, I don't think the film would have been able to do that at the time. Mm. But anyway. Mm. But so we, we then cut to Amanda Seyfried, Needy Lesaki, who is in a secure mental hospital where she is kind of an influencer. She's confident, she's cocky, she gets letters every day. She has committed horrible crimes, but we don't know what yet. Where does she get those you, letters from, Alice? Um, you know, creeps, perverts, I think she says Chesters, yeah, like yeah, yeah. molesters. Which, which, yeah, Chester is, I think, the kind of American equivalent of the word nonce, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chester the molester. Um, 
But Dennis the Menace is much more <laughs> But so as she says, she's kind of the shit. And if you if you want to understand the vibe of this performance, Margot Robbie is cribbing heavily from it whenever she does Harley Quinn. But equally, this is cribbing heavily from Catcher in the Rye, right? Uh one of the first thing to know about this movie, it's written by Diablo Cody, who is most famous for Juno. And if you've seen Juno, you know that Juno has a very particular style of sort of 2000s dialogue, and it's it's less obnoxious in this, but it does come through. Yeah, the 2000s dialogue in this is so it's, good, man. I, I have in my notes that this is the most 2009 movie ever made. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, so, Needy is in mental hospital... Uh, and she she's confrontational. She's a kicker, as she says. Um, a nutritionist tries to get her to eat like a second piece of food, and she kicks her across the room uh, and and fights with the orderlies and is like dragged into segregation. And that's her little framing narrative as she is sitting in this in this cell, listening to the awful music being piped. The in, the shot uh, when and, she's and put into solitary is so fucking good. It's this really tall mm. room she's thrown into, and the shot is from the top looking down. It really, really sells oh, yeah. for like claustrophobia. There's just every so often an unbelievably good shot just out of kind of nowhere. <laughs> just yeah, feel like really hard pull it one. out for Jennifer's body. It's fucking no, don't don't pull it out for Jennifer's body. You know, that's not <laughs> oh, gonna no. be a criminal offense. This, this wasn't directed by accident, right? This is directed by a woman called Karen Kusama, who. I like a lot. I'm going to talk about both the director and the writer of this movie at the end of this because I have some scores to settle. However, we then flash back. Uh, Needy is from a small town in Minnesota called Devil's Kettle, and it's called Devil's Kettle because it's got a big spooky waterfall that has a hole in the bottom of it that just sucks in. It just consumes things, and no no one knows where it comes out. Um, and it's this tiny small town, population like 8,000. Um, and she is she's in a relationship with her dork-ass boyfriend, Chip. I'm sorry, no, I Chip Defense Squad yeah, to the Chip rescue. Rules. Chip is a no, fucking Chip legend sucks. in this he film? He sucks. He, <laughs> thank you. Nah, thank legend, you, legend material, sorry. Hate him. Hate him. <laughs> worst, worst character and a representation of the Democratic Party. I hate him. <laughs> Holy shit. Chip. Chip is Chip is like this kind of corny, nice guy who likes Phil Collins. Uh, he he's like very normy. But so Chip, at Chip's this point- fucking fits, man. So the first time we meet Chip, we'll, like we'll come back to where we are. But but just I want to say on the subject of Chip, my man is wearing like a waistcoat over a t-shirt. I'm just like, oh, that's just the, it's so it's such an iconic noise it's, look. It's so I good. wore that in 2009. That's a 2009 ass outfit. Yeah, but so, I wore this once upon a time. It's like, fucking back. <laughs> I live in a university town. I'm seeing kids at like college wearing this shit again. They're doing the like. Oh, we got We got to. They're do doing the long sleeve this. under short sleeve t shirt thing again. Whoa. It's unacceptable. But so, 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 but so, needy, needy looks different from the way we saw her in Mental Hospital. Mental Hospital, she looked quite cool and edgy. Whereas here, she's much more. She's got a worse haircut. She's got big, thick glasses. She's like in the sort of pre letting her hair down for the prom stage of the teen movie, and she's in a more important relationship than Chip. She is BFFs with Jennifer, and Jennifer is, as we've seen, um, played by Megan Fox, right? And this dynamic of kind of kind of mousy, kind of nerdy, technically blonde, glasses, smart one, who is like 
inexplicably friends with the sort of tall, dark-haired, beautiful, hyper-femme, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've never seen that before. Devon's there as well. Um, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but is, so, Devin, the, is Devin the, the one accusing Needy of being... <laughs> oh, I have I have the drop because this, this girl leans over while she is, like, mooning, while she's, like, staring at Jennifer, who is a cheerleader as well, and goes... We're totally lesbian gay. Which... Iconic. In that voice, yeah. <laughs> it is it iconic. iconic. I, it I, is, think, it is. I think a lesser film would have... Because Needy denies this. Needy's like, no, we're just best friends. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't have a question. A lesser film would have just treated this as like, we need to ensure that this isn't lesbian right at the start. But I, I think the film does a good job of being like, well, what if it is actually? Mm. Like, yeah. I, well, I have some thoughts about this that, that we'll get to down the line. But so we, we, we meet Chip. We see her interact with Chip. Hi, and- are you, were you implying there that I'm Jennifer in this thing? <laughs> Just realize that's not just, really just for that just for that one joke. Thank I'm you. Acceptable. So we see that Jennifer is kind of tyrannical, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm going to try and relate characters in a movie to us. Every movie we do since I started doing it, going to get every right. movie going. They just like me for real, even when that's it's right. Excellent. That's right. <laughs> but so we see that Jennifer is like quite domineering. She like. Literally, she shoves Needy around. She, like, drags her to this rock show, and all Chip can say is, Stop kidnapping my girlfriend. Very meekly. Very sort of like, don't, please don't. Mm-hmm. Jennifer's fit yeah. in this scene. Like, I, again, iconic. Like, the jeans, the crop top, the big puffy jacket. No, it's not jeans. It's, it's a jean skirt, crop top, puffy mm-hmm. jacket. Like, the, the 2000s eyeliner, I'm like, oh, it's all so good. Like, just a little bit of lip gloss. I'm like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it really feels like yes. hot, like, hot girl aesthetic, especially from 2009, because I felt like I saw this yes. in every single fucking... Because like, it's pre-Instagram and pre-TikTok. Yes. And it's like, because she's not wearing a lot of makeup the way that like, if you want to do like hot girl aesthetic now, you've got to have like makeup artist level makeup. But Jennifer doesn't because it's that like 2000s era shit. It's, it's on like, I'm doing return with a V, but for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jennifer wants to drag Needy to the town's one bar to see a band called Low Shoulder because she's heard that they're hot. Yes. Um, they go to the bar, which is predictably shitty. It's I think it's like it looks very much like the band like the uh like the bar the blues brothers have to like drive out of in a hurry. <laughs> Crucial things happen here, one of which um is that uh Jennifer is like hit on and like sexualized by a lot of the guys in yes. the bar. By Come Chris back to this. Pratt, Chris a guy Pratt. I hate Chris to see. Pratt who oh. showed up and like ten full seconds later I went because <laughs> I realized who it was. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Pratt playing himself. Yeah, um, shows up, never comes back again, as far as I can tell. Yes, never comes yeah. back. He's he's supposed to be like a a, a police cadet who uh, Jennifer is like stringing along. Um, they're both too young to drink, her and Needy, allegedly. Um, Which it seems absurd allegedly. to me when I hear it because it's like okay, like hey, well they're under twenty one. So they get a little like cross mark on the back of their hands, which is a little recurring motif. Um, yeah, so she 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 goes through and she tries to hiss on the bat, and we get the first of many Chris illusions. Says they look gay because they're wearing eyeliner. That's true. That's true. We, we get the sort of first allusion to war at this point because Needy doesn't want to go and like hang out with the band. She doesn't want to go and hiss on them. She's a little bit creeped out by them. And Jennifer gives her a pep talk, and that pep talk is just voice morsels. We have all the power, don't you know that these things? 
These are like smart bumps, okay? You point them in the right direction and shit gets real. So I'm not saying that it's unaware of the existence of the war on terror or like the Iraq war or 9-11 in 2009. We get an even less subtle allusion to that in a minute. Um, And we do sort of construct this, first of all, with tits like smart bombs, which is very funny. Um, Also, the other thing that I want to point out is Chris Pratt and the girl who calls them lesbogays. One of the first things, I think this is a very acutely observed movie about small towns and about growing up in a small town. And the sort of omnipresent casual homophobia is an important facet of that. Um, But so they go and see the band. The band are fucking terrible, by the way, which is a great joke. They sound like every other indie band. Like, I've seen reviews compare them to The Killers. I think it's more of like a dashboard confessional yeah, vibe. Kind of yeah. like it's yeah. extraordinarily generic. And I was like about to say that it also feels like Life is Strange. Like, if, if you does. told me that like, yeah. time would start going backwards in this, I would be like, yeah, that fits in. It was mm-hmm. so, yeah. ex- so extremely and generic. Yes. Jennifer yeah. chats to it's- the front man, a guy who calls himself Nikolai. Um, mm. She buys him a 9-11 themed shot from yeah, the bar. Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah, again, yeah the, bar, the bar has, ni- has 9-11 tribute shooters, and it's it's a great sort of irreverent little joke, because it's like, it's red, white, and blue, but you have to drink it quickly, otherwise it mixes together and turns brown. It's such a good bit. So, so amazing. <laughs> it's really funny. But while she's going to get the drinks, uh, Needy, who is kind of like ignored and kind of like invisible to these men, hears them talking to each other about Jennifer and they're speculating about whether or not she's a virgin. Um, and she's so creeped out by this that she tries to warn Jennifer, who is, who is hearing none of it. Um, well, she point. actually, she says, she marches up to the band and tells them, she's like, oh yeah, by the way, like, and she's lying at this point. Mm. And she says, oh yeah, she is a virgin. And like, and the implication being, therefore, you you won't have any interest in her. Um, but uh, as as we hear from Jennifer herself, this is not the case. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but at this point, we have to begin a separate podcast called Well, There's Your Problem, a <laughs> podcast with slides. <laughs> as... As we recapitulate a real thing, the Station Nightclub Fire, we did an episode on it, where the band's pyrotechnics set light to some insulation foam, uh, and very quickly the whole bar is aflame. Just before that happens, Needy briefly holds Jennifer's hand, and there's some more, like, "Mm, lesbianism. Yeah, also, the other thing about this is that there's there's white marks on Needy's hand when she lets go, which I like the implication that Jennifer is, like, squeezing her hand too hard. Um, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of fucking sadism in here too, which is important. Um, but so the bar burns down. Many people are like horribly trampled to death. They get some real work out of the like suit that lets a stuntman run around on fire. Yeah, yeah that guy's having a great day at work. <laughs> so fucking. He's good. full like arms waving like what? Background of every shot, that. fully on fire guy running, just perfect. Always good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, and so Jennifer is sort of in shock. She's traumatized, and Nikolai induces her into the band's van in what is a very funny but also very creepy way of like, "Listen, I feel like we just need to get to somewhere safe right now, like, like my, my van." van. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's also the creepiest oh, fucking yeah. van. Like he is creepy. Everything's creepy. But I I will say though that like I. I, th- this is where I started to feel like this. Th- this is the point where I'm like, okay, well, this movie is starting to be about 9-11 like, more explicitly. Because um, the sequence of events, which I think is really interesting, is 
that Jennifer, which in my view represents the American dream, is trapped within the bar, which is on fire, representing 9-11. She is briefly rescued uh, by Needy, who represents the American public, um, but she is almost immediately after being dragged away um, by people who are using the fire um, for their own ends. The band. The band represents the military-industrial complex. Are we, are we suggesting that, that Low Shoulder are the CIA? Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> I, I actually agree with that last bit, and I, I think another scene later on supports it. Yeah, because they, they take the American dream and they destroy it for their own purposes, using the fire as an excuse. That's hmm. true. So, they, they, they put her in the van, Needy sees the like doors close on her van, it's, it, like, the implication there is that uh, Jennifer is going to be abducted and we fear rapes, right? Mm-hmm. That's explicit, because she, like, she calls them rapists at one point, she says it's like a rapist van. Um, uh, but, but Needy goes home, and then when she's home, she hears a strange noise. Um, goes in the kitchen and sees Jennifer, who is looking insanely fucked up. This bit's oh, yeah. quite good, actually, the bit where she's walking around the house trying to find the source of the noise. We get a bunch of like fake-outs where she like opens the basement door, and then you think she's going to close it, and there's going to be something behind it, and there isn't. Like, yeah, I, I wrote that it's down. Quite, it's quite effective, it's really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, But it's, it's Jennifer, and Jennifer is covered in blood. Her like teeth are covered in blood, too. Um, she's... She won't speak, but she's extremely hungry. She tries to, like, eat a rotisserie chicken out of the yeah, fridge. Yeah, she eats an entire rotisserie uh, chicken with her hands, and I've wrote down, I have been this hungry before. Yeah, yeah, After, like, a night yeah. out, definitely. Um, Has, like, half a hit of weed consumed the <laughs> <laughs> And she, she, she vomits, like, black bile all over Needy and all over the, uh, the floor. Yeah. Um, Symbolism for oil. At- That's right. <laughs> That's, right. That's, right. That's why That's it's like ferromagnetic in a little bit because like there's a there's a point in, of the scene where it's like it's like r- the blood like rises up a little bit in a weird way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, mm. it's, which to me just just like oh that's ferromagnetic. That's what that yeah. that's fucking oil. Mm. So she vomits she vomits oil all over the American public. That's right. <laughs> and, and and then disappears. eating a rotisserie chicken, which is uh, symbolism for. Uh, the the, 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 the Hakani network, um, or um, the Northern Alliance, yeah. right? Well, no, um, sorry, she doesn't disappear immediately. Um, first, she she throws Needy about a bit, then like feels her up, and then it's like she ambiguous does. as to whether she's about to bite or kiss Needy's neck. Um, but then mm-hmm. she, yes, yeah. which mm-hmm. yes. triggered gay uh, panic in me. By the way, <laughs> there's a lot of gay panic in this movie in the best possible way. Um, so Needy goes to school the next day, having spent the night mopping oil off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jennifer's there, looks totally normal. And also does a bit of gaslight gatekeep girl boss. She's like, what are you yes. talking about? Like, You're insane. I, I was never, I, I never vomited oil all over your floor. Was there a gay lord no. as well? It's 9-11 never classic happened. Naughty's, um, classic Naughty's vibe. Um, also at this point, so we get like two of the kids in the background are talking about the fire that happened the previous night. And they're like, oh, Needy seems really fucked up. And one of them was like, Oh yeah, like she's probably got PTSD. Uh, my dad was in Operation Enduring Freedom, and he got super <laughs> fucked up by it. So That's true. again, nine eleven, and then who walks in? Who walks in? J.K. Simmons. J.K. Walks Simmons in. walks the fuck in. I love J.K. Simmons. He's got um, he's got one fake hand. He's got the little like clips thing that the guy in Malcolm in the Middle has. 
Here's, here's, here's one thing that that is, I <laughs> think, an implicit 9-11 joke, but it's also a joke about any kind of tragedy that befalls a small town. And I think this is, again, the small-townness of this movie, is he delivers a truly absurd sentence where he, he sort of he eulogizes everyone who's died, and he says, We can't let that damn fire win. Which is, like... On its face, hysterical. It's one of my favorite lines in the movie. But it's it's not just a, a, a 9-11 joke, like letting the terrorists win being, you know, this absurd thing. It's also something that, like, uh, a high school teacher in a town of 8,000 people would genuinely come up yeah. with, I think. He also says that he's seen some fucked up, like, stuff in the past. I think the implication is meant to be that he's a veteran and that that's how he lost his hands. That was, yeah, what, that was the interpretation I took. Yeah, it's also a, like a straight disability guy because I don't think we see that he's missing a hand until after he says that. Mm. Um, it's on, it's on some Paul Verhoeven shit. It's on like "Made Me the Man I Am" stuff. Like it's good. It's good. It's a nice moment. Um, but then like kids are grieving in the hallway. Like one of the teachers has died. Like a couple yeah. of the students are dead. Jennifer um, Jennifer doesn't care. She's very irreverent about it. Yeah. But also another another small town line. She's uh she's like, oh, did anyone we know die? And Needy has to say, We we know everyone. Mm. Like there's not that many people, which I really like. But Needy um, says how the public grief is surreal. She talks about like having survivor's guilt from having escaped the fire. It's good mm-hmm. shit. It's nine eleven. Yeah, the school football captain is like weeping openly in, in class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huge guy. His best yeah, friend died. Yeah. yeah, huge guy. Huge guy. <laughs> uh, and then we, we see Jennifer approach him as he's crying on the football field. Uh, we get this like huge long dolly yeah. shot, like a zoom yeah, in on him. Fucking believable. Such a good shot. <laughs> he stood in the middle of like the field, just like crying, and the dolly shot starts from the opposite end of the field and goes the entire way to him. And he looks off to one side and sees Jennifer walking towards him. And then it cuts back to a sort of like mm. medium shot of him and she appears from the other direction. To sort of like set you a little bit on edge. It's great. It's a fucking great it's fantastic. shot. The soundtrack is like hard rock as well, as it seems. Yeah. She she like sexually manipulates his grief, <laughs> right? She says, Oh, I, I I saw your dead friend, and the last thing he said was, you know, you and I would be a cute couple. We would be a banging <laughs> she couple. She says a banging couple. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and she, she just, leads him. He said banging? Like it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. She 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 leads him into the woods and they start to kiss and Various forest creatures and woodland animals are like emerging to watch them, and he gets a little bit freaked out by this. Uh, and she is sort of like unsurprised and impatient. And then we get the reveal as uh, she fucking unhinges her jaw and devours him abdomen first. She like tears his viscera out and, and like consumes them. Um, there's also as as. She's jacking him off. Mm-hmm. She just says, "Do you miss your buddy Craig?" And he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, such a I good, guess so. Such a good thing. So such a surreal yeah, fucking so moment. Good. Like sex and death. It's great. Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Famously very sexual. <laughs> That's right. So needy, needy talks. I think both with towers were very phallic uh, in many ways. Mm. Well, needy hears on the radio that that Lowe's shoulder have kind of become like local heroes because they allegedly pulled a bunch of people and rescued them from the fire, which she knows isn't true. 
Um, They're also donating 3% of the sales <laughs> so, of the We need to talk in depth about that town. scene when it comes up, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we'll get there, but yeah. Um... <laughs> There's another there's another great shot which is of a fucking candlelit vigil singing their song which so is funny. I, so again weird. it's 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 both 911 and it's like small town tragedy mm-hmm. um but so yeah um the football player Jonas who she kills his body is found pretty quickly and this is like a dual tragedy that like catapults the town into national news that's why you get the the vigil. I there's another great, great shot that I love here, which is a big portrait of Jonas next to like all of the silverware in the trophy cabinet, uh, surrounded by flowers, and it just holds it in like a uh, time lapse as the flowers wilt next to it to show the passage of time. It's really fucking good. So Chip Chip calls uh, Needy to tell her the news that like Jonas has been killed. Um, and we get some more sweet stuff between them. My notes say Chip is cute. Um, but also Jennifer has called Needy and is being like really weird on the other end of the phone. Mm. Um, she, she says like, I'm a god and like, I feel really great. And that's the famous shot where she sticks out yeah, her tongue and burns it with a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah this is normal to us. She, she, um, she sticks out her tongue and burns it with a cigarette lighter, which again, I'm always doing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really also, effective horror. swimming bit. And yeah. The sw- so Jennifer goes swimming in a lake, and it's it's meant to be that she's hot. My notes say hard drive check in progress. It's a fantastic <laughs> shot. I'll, I'll say that. But again, it is. again, I don't think this woman is old enough <laughs> to be sexualized. Now's a good time to hard. talk about the fact that the film does want you to think that this high school girl is sexually attractive. Yes, yes. Although. I have different opinions about what the film wants you to think about that and what the marketing of the film wants yes. you to think about that. Yes. I I tend to think that the film wants you to to see her in the lake at this point as a sort of like feminine avatar of revenge who is about to like wreak havoc upon the town in a way that is sexual, yes, but is sexual in response to like male sexual aggression. And we never like we never actually really see men in this movie be sexually aggressive, but the idea of it is very much in there. Uh whether that's the like band, you know, being talked about as being rapists, or whether that's Jonas sort of like following his dick, or whether it's Chip who we see in a later scene. Uh well, we'll get to that. But... Um we see that the Low Shoulders song kind of becomes and the anthem of the town. Um, and uh, Devil's Kettle becomes the centre of what Needy calls uh, a national tragedy boner, which again, 9-11. Um, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. get a little, like a brilliant early 2000s combo slur um, and uh, content warning <laughs> for like ableism, <laughs> double ableism here, um, because uh, Chip describes the situation with Jonas as freak-tarded, which is... Mm-hmm. Fantastic bit of naughty slang. I feel like you know, every everyday high school. Yeah, I feel story. like I'm right back in in high school. Yeah, it's 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 a very keenly observed high yeah. school thing. Eating this. boys. Yeah. Um, as we as and we then, did, then we get one month later we get this fucking absolutely pivotal scene, which is about nine yes. eleven. So we 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 hear that Low Shoulder J.K. Simmons comes to the class. He's like Low Shoulder donating three percent of their profits for the song to the local community. And Needy's like, what about the other 97%? Like, these guys aren't heroes, she said. They didn't really save anybody. And 
Another girl in class. She's talking about the NYPD. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. She is because Chastity, <laughs> the girl right. from earlier on who called her lesbian, turns around and says, "Low shoulder are American heroes. We need them now more than ever." And they have this fucking argument in class, and it's like this is about nine eleven. See, I disagree with I disagree slightly here because I think this is about the war. I think this is about the following yeah. war in Iraq specifically, about the military, yeah. not necessarily about the NYPD. Mm-hmm. But it it still hits. It's still very clearly sort of like. In, in reference to 9 11. I, I concede that the you're kind of, we need them now more than ever, you're with us or against us thing is a 9 11 reference. I don't think the whole movie's about 9 11. I make a staged with I'm I don't know, a staged it. I think it's like every here. three scenes we talk about how it's about 9 11. So it's, and you have additionally brought up at least two of those times. <laughs> also, unknowingly, you have said, you've already said the things that will enable me to argue later on that it is about 9 11 when we get to the Unforced end. Unforced errors repeated. We'll see. I'm afraid. We'll see. So, so, so at this point, Jennifer gets asked out on a date. Jennifer, who Colin... looks like shit now. Yes. Yeah. Oh fuck! Actually, actually, there's things here that I want to talk about in relation to how I think this movie, uh, what I think this movie is about. In that Jennifer is like she's bemoaning how terrible her skin looks and stuff, and she goes, "God, it's like I'm one of the normal girls." Oh, and we, we also, Six we also months. get some. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Literally, yes. Also, we get some some more sort of like two thousand and nine feminism, uh, because uh, Needy asks her if she's PMSing, and she says, "PMS isn't real, Needy. It was invented by the boy run media to make us seem crazy." And I I love the phrase "the boy run media" so much. It's by really the way. good. It's because it's it's perfect sort of like high school. I don't have the language to articulate this yet necessarily, but like I'm I am aware of misogyny. I'm aware of like structural misogyny in the media, but like gender dysphoria I, I, isn't real, Alice. It was invented by the boy run media to make a secret. <laughs> it is a boy run media, yeah. you know, that's that's the thing. Um but so Colin Colin is an emo, I guess we would say. Um, it, he doesn't yeah. really neatly fit into like any particular alternative. Jennifer does call him emo later. Yes, yeah, and he asks her out on a date, and in a uh, just a perfect teenage emo boy move, he, he invites her to a screening of Rocky Horror. Uh, and it's him. really good. It's really? such a good call response because he goes, "Do you want to go see Rocky Horror?" And she goes, "I don't like boxing movies." And I was like, "Yeah, gorgeous, perfect." <laughs> Ship it. <laughs> yes, but 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 mm-hmm. uh, she she blows him off, and what she says to Needy about this is, "My dick is bigger than his." He wears mascara. He wears nail polish. My dick is bigger than his. The, I mm, the, there's themes. There's themes emerging here that are not 9/11 related, but they are, are they instead transgender related. They are in fact 9/11. <laughs> You can really never predict what we're going to take away from a movie, can you? <laughs> just, just no way. I actually, it's usually one of two things. It's, it's usually 9/11 either transgender, transgender or 9 <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two big ones. But I, That's I, it, I actually, I looked this up before coming on the podcast of like, because I watched this and I was like, yeah, it's for sure 9-11. In, like independently from you guys. Um, and I tried looking it up to see if anyone else had figured out that this is about 9-11 and I can't find it. As far as I can tell, we are the only people 
who have the analysis. You're insane because you're all wrong. Because it's a thing that exists. Like it, it is speaking about the 2000s, which means it has to speak about 9/11. But tell him, Mike. Tell him, him, Mike. When we get to the we'll end, I will, it, yeah. I will show that this here. film is about 9/11. So, so, so her, her dick is bigger than yes, him, right? But nonetheless, Needy persuades her. To yes, to to go out on a date with him anyway. Uh, no, no, Needy and- doesn't persuade her. Needy says, "Well, I th- I think Colin's quite cute, but like whatever." And then Jennifer yeah. says, "Oh, you but- like him? Oh, in that case, I will." Yeah, indeed, interesting is- themes, themes, themes. Uh- <laughs> I did that with your boyfriend the other night, Alice. <laughs> Literally, I, I swear just, to God, please do not devour my boyfriend. I won't. I won't devour him too much. P- please, uh, but <laughs> just gonna listen to this. It's the, it's the I, promise, I promise I'm not. I promise I'm not possessed. Sure, uh-huh. sure. Mother uh-huh. sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, so, so she lures Colin to an abandoned house. <laughs> On the pretense <laughs> of having Halloween. sex with her. Happy Halloween. Oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, th- th- they kiss a bit, Something but then she, she, has, uh, she has an Alice moment, right, where she, she grabs him and she goes, I need you frightened. And she starts breaking his fucking bones, uh, culminating in, uh, again, devouring him, viscera first. Mm-hmm. So you, you skipped over a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Um, one, one is that as as Colin is getting to Jennifer's uh, to the house where Jennifer has arranged to meet him, we see some like great text speak from her. It's just like you need mm-hmm. to turn left on this road, and it's because back in the day, kids, you used to have to pay by the text message. So, you, so mm. you know, you have to use like really short text speak. It's a nice little naughty's moment, and also this scene is intercut with just a fantastic scene of Needy and Chip having sex, which is just so adorable. Well, this is the thing. I don't think it's adorable at all. I think because because Needy, as we see, while while Chip is like inexpertly having sex with her in a kind of naive, uh, you might find it charming way of like uh, he gets a like novelty condom that's supposed to make it fun for the girl, right? Yes. Yeah, we sweet. see that we see that Needy is kind of like psychically linked to Jennifer a little bit. She like sees. The presence of Jennifer and like a, a sort of a bloodied Colin. She she feels Jennifer kiss Colin when Chip kisses her, and she kind of she is like disturbed by this. She screams, in fact. And what Chip does is think, "Oh fuck, yeah, I'm doing amazing." <laughs> he literally he like grins and asks her, "Am I too big?" Yeah, that's a like, really interesting moment. It- <sighs> Because Chip is a piece of yeah, shit. Because men are pieces shit. of shit. He he is. He is. He is like unable to think of anything other than his own pleasure, and he mistakes her anguish for uh, like pleasure and awe of him because yes. men are pigs. And also, he, this is also why he's a representation of the Democratic Party. He is limp, ineffectual, <laughs> incapable of pleasure, and also thinks he's doing a great job. Yes. Um. But so Needy, Needy has this vision of Jennifer eating Colin, and uh, ultimately she has to she has to stop Chip and his stupid novelty condom, and she she, she runs home. And on the way home, driving her mum's like Dodge Neon or whatever, I think it's a Kia actually. Um, she sees a, a, a bloody Jennifer like. 
stalking across the road, hunched Cryptid. over. Great bit of physical um, acting from Megan Fox in this. Really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she she actually like um, she stops to see her, and 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 Jennifer like attacks the car and like breaks the window. Um, and it's like it, it's a nice, effective bit of horror. So then she gets home, and Jennifer is in her fucking bed. Yep. The, the, yes. Hot. Yes. And Jennifer tries to and does seduce her. This, the, like she wants answers. Jennifer doesn't want to give them to her. And Jennifer has another line that I think is important. What needy? Let me stay the night. We can play boyfriend girlfriend like we used to. Now, I'm pretty certain that that makes Jennifer the boyfriend there. But I think you can read it one of two ways. Um, there, there is another line at the end that kind of like suggests the opposite reading, but that's that's my reading of it. We get a lesbian kiss, of which a great deal was made when the film came out because it, you know, two thousand nine. It was like, oh fuck, <laughs> women mm-hmm. kissing yeah, women. It's like very, very titillating, right? And it's, I don't know, I thought it was well done. Actually. Needy reciprocates this. It's the, mm-hmm. it's a yeah. full on makeup scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but Needy sort of like catches herself and is like, wait, wait, wait a second, like. Uh, what is happening here? What actually happened to you? Um, and and Jennifer agrees to explain. She she's and we we flash back. She's in the van with the band, and she she sees them being creepy up front. Nikolai is arguing about whether or not she's really a virgin. He literally says at one point, "I hate girls." Um, and and she asks, "Are you guys rapists?" And then. When they don't answer her, and they keep talking about whether or not she's a virgin, she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I totally am. I don't even know anything about sex stuff." And that is another fucking example of a world that is permeated by the possibility of male sexual violence. It is something that, like, every teenage girl and uh, a lot of now adult women who at the time didn't know they were teenage girls, a surprising number, had to negotiate, right? Um, it's it's like an omnipresent piece of misogyny, and I think it's a vitally important bit of context for the film. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, the, we, we see that they are like devil worshippers, and they are yes. sacrificing, they, they do in fact sacrifice Jennifer, it's it's a fun joke. They're not rapists. They're Satanists. They're if anything worse. They uh they, they sacrifice her to Satan in order to advance their own careers. And this is at once played for laughs, but also not because it's a serious thing. Like men literally sacrificing women to advance themselves. But also Nikolai like sort of leans over to her and she, and he's like, you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days. Yeah, it's such a good uh, line. I wrote that down for. <laughs> You have to you have to get on Letterman or you have to get on a soundtrack, which is a joke at the expense of the soundtrack to Juno, which fucking like launched a bunch of no name indie bands. Um But yeah, this, also, this scene there's is also like, a line oh is a there's a line that has aged so fucking well too, where one of them is a bit recalcitrant and uh and Nikolai goes, Listen, do you want to be a loser forever? Or do you want to be rich and awesome? Like that guy from Maroon Five. <laughs> <laughs> mm. This scene is Literal, is like really, yeah. really disturbing though, and I think part of the credit for that has to go to Megan Fox, who just like really sells it. Um, She's a oh, good yeah. actor. She is, and this scene is some, like really, really like, um, like hard to watch actually. 
because it is just like these guys killing a young girl to advance their careers and like I I I it, it makes me think about like I need to be very careful what I say here but I cannot name the person or or the TV company involved but like a friend of mine recently auditioned for a big TV series and in the final round of auditions was like assaulted by the lead writer and lead actor um with the director's knowledge and um like this was reported to like her agent and my agent and everyone knows this and like turns out this guy's just been like using his job to touch trans actresses um and uh he's like for the moment just totally gone away with that and there's nothing that anyone can say um and like his his big show is going to be made and it's like going to win awards and stuff and it's like this scene makes me think of that that like as you said Alice men do advance their careers by sacrificing the bodies of young women and like that for that reason like this scene is just like super fucking disturbing see absolutely so so they stab her with a knife that makes you transgender um and then they throw that knife into Devil's Kettle, the hole that nothing ever comes back from, because this movie is in part about holes. That itself has sort of a feminine significance, I think. Um, and then she just she doesn't remember what happens after that, except that then she's she's walking home. It is quite literally, to reference the title of a much better feminist horror movie, a girl walks home alone at night, um, and she she runs into the ex- a foreign exchange student from India who they'd seen at the bar earlier. And who has like survived the fire? I've run into no the one... only person of color in the film. That's not true. The nutritionist who needed ah, kicks across I'm the room. I'm terribly is sorry. Sorry. So, so the, the, there are there are two she people. She runs of into fifty percent of the both... people of color in this film, <laughs> and, and they are both there to get uh, like Owned. to be objects of violence. Yes. yes. Um, and he's he's literally called Ahmed from India. Uh, Has no lines. But no, no, no one knows that he is alive, and. On that basis, because she feels sort of unutterable hunger, she takes him into the woods and you know devours him. Um, Back in the so, present day, we we see yes. um, that Jennifer says to Needy, like when I'm, she says, when I'm full, I'm basically unkillable, and she like stabs her arm, and it instantly heals. And uh, and and Needy's like, what do you mean when you're full? Like of what? Um, and Jennifer doesn't answer, but we understand that it's like men. Um, she eats men to sustain herself, and Needy kicks her out. Yeah. Um, at this point, Colin's body is found, and in a another kind of oblique 9-11 reference, no one well, really cares. There's a lot cares. of references to 9-11 in this film Ooh. that isn't about 9-11, according crazy. to you, Alice. It's crazy yeah. how that happens. I think it's a minor theme. However, um, the, the, the joke is... No one cares because everyone's used to funerals mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, enough people have died that people are just kind of bored and like used. It's to weird it. how they referenced uh, COVID in this movie from two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did they know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, Needy does some research. She tries to tell Chip. Chip doesn't believe her because Chip is a misogynist and he doesn't believe women. Um, she she goes into the occult <laughs> section of the high school library. Which every library, of and course, she, has. Yeah, of and course. We'll flag that up and, later and when Ship's like, we have an occult section? She's like, it's pretty small. <laughs> yeah. And she finds out what a succubus is. And a succubus, if you're not familiar, is a kind of like female demon that devours men sexually and also literally in order to gain power, right? Uh, and the reason why this has happened is because... Jennifer has been inhabited by a demon because they have killed her as a virgin as a sacrifice, but she's not a virgin, and it's gone wrong. Um, 
And that's also why Low Shoulder, the band, has still become successful, as the sacrifice has still worked. It's just, it's deformed, it's perverted Jennifer. Um, so, Oh, and she also finds point, out that she can be killed with a knife through the heart. That's the yes, only way to kill her. Yeah. At this point, um, the school is gearing up for prom, or the spring formal. Another, I, And I write down another great small town thing, which is Chip has reservations for them at the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, that's so, so adorable. Good. So adorable. <laughs> it's my, it's, my life has been changed by walking into a Cheesecake Factory before, so I'm like, oh, my dude is in for an amazing night. <laughs> So, but, yeah, and she she begs Chip to stay away from, from the prom because uh, Jennifer is going to eat him. Well, she's going to eat everybody. She's like, the, the dance, she, yeah. she consumes boys. She's like, oh, the prom, it's be like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Sort of a carry reference. Um, and at this point, we see, like, uh, Ch- Chip is sort of, thinks that she's crazy, thinks that she's breaking up with him, um, but agrees to to not go, at least in theory. And then we we see everyone get ready for the dance, and most notably, like we get a, a couple of great shots of like parents taking taking photos and stuff. But we, the shot of of Jennifer that we get, she is smearing foundation on, and she's like almost breaking down in the mirror. Uh, that to me, I I do not like it for reasons that I'll get into. But I'm interested in it because I think that is what you would do with a transgender character. It is like almost a cliche at this point in movies about trans women that you have to have a shot of like a trans woman putting on makeup and almost breaking down crying. Um, I mean, I am always so doing just, this, but yeah, it's a, oh, of course, um, yeah, we all are. You're not supposed to say that. It's a and also, something very funny is. Jennifer has uh, two pictures of herself on her nightstand, which is yeah, it's very really funny. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, J.K. Simmons introduces the dance. Another great small town moment because the snacks are pecan sandies and cran grape, which what sounds the fuck uh, is abso- any of that, man? absolutely atrocious. Mm-hmm. And low shoulder are playing the dance for free. That's right, like, they've come back. Their hearts. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. Incredible this is a reference early 2000s to the surge. Um, th- this is a reference to the second wave of deployment of troops to Iraq. That's right. I yep, guess. Yep. Um, so, so Needy looks for Jennifer at the dance, but she can't find her. And then she realizes that Jennifer is like stalking Chip, who is on his way. He's like walking through a, a creepy, sort of darkened park. Um, and. Jennifer tries to like use her her sexual her feminine wiles on Chip. She's like, Needy is 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 crazy, and also she was cheating on you with Colin with the emo kid. Um, and this 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 works because Chip is a misogynist. No, no, she she appeals to like Chip's like teenage boy insecurity, where she's like, she was cheating with Colin, and they were doing things that you've never even heard of. Um, because the the vibe is that Chip is like sexually inexperienced, um, mm-hmm. but like tries to make up for it by being charming, and and Jennifer just completely zeroes in on that insecurity and just nails him to the wall with it. There, there is a, a very Juno line here, which is they were intimate, and by intimate I mean they were porking on a semi regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love the word porking. Um, it's very porking. It's very yeah, we're opening up new pork markets. <laughs> That's right. Uh, rest in peace, Lestrade. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she takes him. She alive. takes him to the abandoned, the creepy, darkened swimming pool. Um, 
Where... She also, while she's kissing Chip, she says, say I'm better than needy. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. And, and he can't go through with it because he's like, he's in love with, with needy at heart. He's like a good guy. And he feels sort of conflicted about this. Uh, and th- this allows the time for, for needy to show up just in time to see him getting his neck bitten out um, by Jennifer. Um, and this this leads to to a fight in the pool, which is, I think, generally quite well done. Yeah, yeah. So um, so Chip's bleeding out, and Needy pepper sprays Jennifer using Chip's pepper spray that he was given by his mum. Um, and mm-hmm. Jennifer vomits black blood and then levitates up out of the pool. Um, really and good line. Very, oh, they, there's they, a very funny line from the trailer now. where where Chip goes, she could fly, and Needy's like, she's just hovering. It's not that impressive. <laughs> Jennifer, like, hovering in midair is like, why do you always undermine everything I do? It's really good. Just really, really <laughs> good. <laughs> um, she's like, you always steal everything I have. And she's like, and now I'm eating your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just very funny. Yeah. Which I will do, Alice. <laughs> Please do not eat my boyfriend. And we see the hazards of trying to eat my boyfriend, because at this point, Chip spears her with some kind of, like, Pool implement, a pool yeah. halberd that they yeah, definitely the have. Well, she she threatens to eat needy, and then we get a like a ah. Yeah, she says bisexual I go jokes both ways because needy's like I thought you only yeah. ate boys, and she's like I go both ways, and it's meant to be mm-hmm. like ooh. But we get an explicitly phallic sort of like almost death punishment, and this is a classic of the horror genre, right? When you want to punish a bad woman. You impale her, particularly a lesbian. Long, long, long history of this, right back to like the 1910s. Highly recommend Vito Russo's book, The Celluloid Closet, for a potted history of this. Um, so, but yeah, she is she is impaled by a man, and it's uh, like her joke line about this to Needy explicitly compares that wound to a vagina. She asks her if she has a tampon, um, and at this point. The movie loses me, right? Because my sympathy throughout has been with Jennifer. She's a piece of shit. She is ableist, certainly, casually racist, all within a milieu that supports those things. However, she has been sort of revenging herself, right? And the movie has displayed a great deal of sympathy for her. And that now just kind of ends. I think you're wrong, but okay. I think I think that this is it, it's occasionally a thing that comes up in science fiction is something called the motherhood statement right which is you, you the point of writing science fiction is is you imagine alternate worlds alternate societies alternate ways of being right but then once you do that you get scared and if you get scared then you have to tie it back together and you have to end it with well what turns out to really matter what turns out to really save the day is is true love and apple pie and motherhood right I think that's what this is. I think that the for the last twenty minutes of the movie, there's this sort of haul back, this reassertion um, that, like, okay, we don't actually have to like critically support Jennifer anymore. I think um, I think you're dead wrong in that, but we'll get there because I think the ending's important. Um, but anyway, uh, Jennifer gets impaled by the pool halberd, leaves, Chip dies. My notes say R.I.P. Chip. Um, and at this point, we're back at the start of the film with um, Needy outside Jennifer's room as she's like eating her hair and stuff. Um, Needy comes into the room like fucking Castile in the Born Supremacy. <laughs> she like dies and yes. forward rolls through the glass. It's fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> and she has, and this is, you're going to say this is a 9 11 reference. It isn't. It doesn't make sense. As I, well. I wasn't going to has- say that actually. I wasn't. 
She 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 has armed herself with a box cutter, which is the only other comparisons of this movie to nine eleven I I have read make a great deal of that. I would not. Well, that obviously um, didn't occur to me, but Jennifer mm. does make fun of it for being like a butch lesbian weapon. Yes. Because do you yes, buy all your she... murder weapons at Home Depot? <laughs> you're so butch. God, you're butch. It's really funny. Yes, literally yes. Um, uh, and then she she stabs her through the heart, and the joke line here is she goes, my tit, because she stabbed her in the tit. And it's like, no, hold on, hold on a second. What you're showing us is literally uh, uh, a young girl's mother walks in on her best friend, straddling her on top of her, having just fucking penetrated her. Um, Like, this is and we've seen them kissing earlier. It's explicitly a like sexualized struggle. In order to kill her, she's had to like throw away and destroy the fucking BFF necklace that they had. You have to diffuse that with humor. You have to get out of that somehow. Otherwise, you've just accidentally made something that is earnestly too lesbian. And in 2009, you can't fucking do that. You have to row it back. You have to be like, this is this is you know dark comedy now. Mm. You also can't talk about the Iraq War. But we'll get on to that. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. Jennifer's mum does come in and discover this. Uh, Needy's arrested and winds up in prison, which is where we see her at the start. Um, mm-hmm. Something you might have missed watching the fight is that Jennifer also bites Needy at one point, And that turns out to be quite important now. Mm-hmm. Because as Needy tells us in voiceover, if you are bitten by a demon and survive, you absorb some of that demon's powers. So she levitates up out of the solitary confinement cell and kicks the window out and escapes. Mm. Yes, and goes to seek her revenge on Low Shoulder, who over the credits we see that she has like horrifyingly murdered with their very own knife. Um which I like. I'm I'm always in favor of this, you know. Um and that's that's ostensibly the movie. And I, I do wanna say that um Kasama and, and, and Cody have like barely done anything since. This movie lost like five, six million dollars. Um, uh, their other projects have also lost money. Their movies don't sell, and it's not because they're not good, it's not because they don't know how to write or how to direct, it's because uh, men don't know how to sell them, don't know how to market them, uh, are afraid of women, and are pigs, and Valerie Solanas was fucking right. Yeah, and also 9-11. It's not about 9-11, how is it about 9-11? I want to yes and you here, okay, so so, needy Needy kills the band over the credits, which immediately raised the question for me, why didn't Jennifer? Jennifer does, does at no point goes in search of the band. And I was like, okay, I think a less interesting film would have had Jen come back from the dead and then immediately like hunt down the band for the rest of the film. But it doesn't do that. And my interpretation of the film is that when women are like man eaters, when we are evil or like bitchy, and also when we turn against each other, it's because that is a response to male violence. Um, and Jennifer, I think the film does have sympathy with her, but we are shown that she chooses the wrong targets, which is like men who are not the ones who are violent against her. And also like her, her fellow women are also against Needy. Um, at the end of the film, Needy takes some power from Jennifer. She like learns something from her. Um, in fact, the, the line of the soundtrack that comes up just before we cut to credits is you should learn how to say no. Um, so she, I think that Needy, learns that actually having that kind of power, having that kind of no, having that kind of like fuck you men attitude is appropriate when it's used against the correct targets. I think that's the main theme of the film. That's the kind of feminist theme. 
But I think secondarily, it is also about 9-11 and the Iraq yes. war because we see the ways in which violence, grief and trauma turn people into like attacking the wrong targets, into like being duped by this kind of like maudlin, commercialized grief. And I think also at this time when, remember like you couldn't explicitly say that you were going to see Iraq war because you would lose your career if that happened like the Dixie Chicks did. I think this is like a subtle anti-war film that's saying like, yeah, okay, this fucked up shit happened, but let's not fight the wrong target. Yes. I, so I, that's why I think this film is about 9-11. I fully, I would even take it even further actually and say that it's actually like revolutionary anti-war, like encouraging that um, saying that needy, like as a representation of the American public can sort of, can take the knowledge that, or take the tools that have been used to direct, to again, against like the wrong targets and like, um, and and to, to to sort of stop the cycle of terror have to, has to sort of like use that against the correct target, as you say, which is the, which is the band, which is the representation of, of the military industrial complex because they are they are sort of the cause of it and that is also why jennifer is incapable of doing that because um thematically the band is the source of her power and has corrupted her and caused her to cause all the sort of mayhem and chaos and death um that she initially doesn't want to do but has been sort of like warped and forced into doing um due to someone else um I don't know that she I don't know that she has been. I think she's only been granted the facility to do it because we know that she's mean beforehand. We know that she like uh it, you know expresses sort of dominance over men beforehand as much as she well, can. But we also know that that is in, in response to her being consistently sexualized by yeah. men. Because mm. I because I think the really important part is that her first victim is someone who is sort of like coded like is a, is a, is a, is a, is a brown person. <laughs> Like that is the first, the first victim that happens is, is, is a brown person. And this, and consequently, um, boys start dying as well, which I think, feel like, feel like is a sort of message about how, like the, the, the target here has been sort of like inadvertently so many different people and never really, never really about, there's never, there's never has been a correct target for Jennifer to have, um, because the, the the entire the entire premise of 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 what the band wanted and sort of like how she became the way she did was based on a on uh, on a lie which I, f- I feel is symbolic of you know their weapons of mass destruction in in Iraq um, it doesn't matter that it's a lie because they still get all the powers um, or that like the the band still gets their success and fame um, and but the 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 death and destruction that follows it are um, are sort of forced upon Jennifer. Uh, that and that needy then has to sort of like forcibly take the power from so that so that the, that cycle of violence can end. I I think it's it, it has sympathies towards being a revolutionary feminist film that ultimately gets scared and runs back into being a liberal one. Um, it's it's I think it's one that tries to indict patriarchy and then gets scared and goes okay, but you can't have too much fun while you're doing it and you can't be too indiscriminate and there's you know th- there's a way to sort of like uh r- revenge yourself smarter not harder as it were i also think it's a transgender ass movie um oh yeah definitely for a lot of the reasons that we've we've gotten into pretty much everything jennifer does is like i'm not like other girls because i have a fucking penis it, she you know is is sort of like granted this satanic masculine power i will also remind you about fucking depictions of uh various demons as hermaphroditic 
Um, I think it's like borderline explicit. She starts becoming more, more sort of like male coded as she becomes more monstrous. And I, I think she is able to use that in a way that is like, uh, avenging in a way that the movie frightens itself with. I don't know, I don't think she does become more male-coded, because it would have been very, very easy, for instance, in like the prom, when she's in her prom dress, to have her like wearing a kind of like femme suit or something, if you wanted to do that. But she remains very femme mm. throughout. She, like, she even becomes more feminine, like, yeah. like in her more sort of final demonic form, when she's powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. On the other hand, when... Um, Needy becomes more powerful. She, more powerful, she becomes butcher. Right? She's wearing the fucking hoodie. She's got the box cutter from Home Depot. Um, I don't know. I listen. I don't think it's about nine eleven. I still don't think it's about nine eleven. You're wrong. You, possibly. Possibly. We do have a science-based system on this podcast, and this is a mainline episode. So if you want to, yeah, it's true. We can scum score. It's true. All right, fine. It's called the Scum System. It's called the it Scum stands... Manifesto. Yeah, that fucking should be. Uh, it, it stands for Society for Cutting Up Men. Uh, so, on SMUM, how does this movie score? Are we are we giving it SMUM points for the fact, like the early two thousands dialogue? I kind of want to give it. A I, th- I think. No, it, I love it, man. I think it is. I think it is quite smummy in a way that I like, mm. but it is very smummy. Like, I think it's very of... pleased with, isn't it? A lot, a lot of the things that I think make you believe that it's a 9-11 movie uh, are sort of deliberately smarmy and irreverent about the climate of the 2000s, which is, of course, largely derived from 9-11. Um, I think there's an extra step there that makes a difference, but I think it is very I think very the smarmy. thing that makes it really smarmy is just the fact that there's... That they that they not only do they mention nine eleven by name and have it as a sort of like alcoholic shot, they also have they they demonstrate it visually by having two long shot glasses with one that is shorter than the other that isn't like as filled, um, which which I feel like there is some symbolism there that I haven't fully cracked out, but I feel like the the fact that that it is there feels to me like very very smart. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't feel yeah. about three or four. I could even do five, to be okay. honest. Okay. Um, cultural, cultural insensitivity. Well, every, everyone involved is racist. I don't think that's portrayed as a positive thing. I think it's part of the sort of like excoriating view of American small town high school circa 2009. Um, I, I, I think part of the sort of like reason for. Jennifer's sort of um, roaring rampage of revenge, right, is a sort of honest disgust for for that culture and everything that it embodies, and that includes nine eleven and its like sentimentality. Um, as to like how culturally insensitive it expects the viewer to be, I'm not sure. Um, I genuinely, I could, I could be persuaded any sort of number on this. Yeah, I don't really know what to say either. There, like, certainly. Are there any people of color in the film who like opine on the film's themes or who really sort of have much to do at all? No. There's no. there's the orderly. Um, uh, I, f- I forgot to mention Needy's Needy's orderly right at the start of the film, oh, yeah. and uh, the nutritionist and Ahmet from India. But that's like oh wait no no chastity as well I guess. Um, but yeah, well you know, chastity has a, has a has a perspective on the film's themes. Say so three two. Hard to say. <laughs> Jeff. Mm. I'm sorry. I, Give um, us a number. Uh, Three, fine. Three it is. 
right. unprovoked violence. Un- oh. Unprovoked violence. Oh, this th- <laughs> is the thing. I, such a weird film to I, try to attach this comes back to. <laughs> I, 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 I think, I think the viewpoint of the of the film is that it's all provoked violence yeah. on from mm-hmm. Jennifer's side. Yep, and certainly from Needy's side. So your your unprovoked violence is, is from men and from low shoulders specifically, mm. uh, which is. Horrible. It's portrayed as being. Yeah, horrible. it's not portrayed positively. So we, it's no. a very, very low score. I'd say. Uh, yeah, I think it's a zero. Mm-hmm. Happy to go with that. Although I don't know, like, because Jennifer's target, the people that Jennifer kills are innocent and like she's bad targets. So like, but then the film isn't like supposed. Yeah, you know, it's not saying that's good. Guys, like, question mark like na zero, <laughs> I guess by default. <laughs> and misogyny. And... We're gonna be here all day with this one, like. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I I don't think it's a misogynist movie however i look fucking separating out internalized misogyny is a is a lifetime project <laughs> i indeed <laughs> the female it passes the kill james bond test in that the female characters do have opinions on the themes of the film yes um <laughs> I, I I do want to talk about fucking. We should go back to cultural insensitivity <laughs> and give it an extra point because the ways in which it talks about lesbianism and bisexuality, yes, are true. not explicit and are portrayed in like a oh, this is just how like BFFs can be with each other. It's a kind of like youth in revolt kind of thing, um, which I think is also a misogynist thing. Um, I, I don't know. I'm quite uncomfortable putting homophobia under cultural insensitivity because that's one we very specifically carved out to talk about, like race. Well, it's not the SRUM system. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that <laughs> specifically. I'm giving it a, we'll give it an extra point for miscellaneous. Sure. Misogyny, mm. I really don't know. This might be the first time we have to abandon scoring. Scor- yeah, well, we didn't have to. <laughs> we, we don't this. know. This we don't know. <laughs> The scum the, the score for this movie is, is is a series of question marks. We have no idea. Um, <laughs> it, I I think it's a great it's movie. Good. I it really made me it. more misandrous. I liked it too. Um, it's a great movie. I I despise the way in which it's marketed. You can yes. look at all of the uh, the posters for this are like Megan Fox's legs, basically, and also like and dressed I, as a schoolgirl, and it's like okay. And I, I do want to talk about Megan Fox, right? Because Megan Fox is then and now a bit of a joke as an actor in a way that I do find very misogynist and very unfair. Because I think she's good in this. And one of the things one of the things she said in this is I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I was just trying to have fun with it, and I felt like I was able to make fun of my own image as how some people might perceive Megan Fox to be. I was just sort of flying freely and I hope some of it works. I think there's two ways you can read that statement, right? One is that she's telling the truth and she's just instinctually got this script quite well. And the other is that she's a better actress than a lot of people give her credit for, but she knows that in order to fucking sell Megan Fox as a persona, she has to go, oh yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, I'm just, I'm just here. And I, you know, I, men don't fucking know how to market Movies with women, by women, um, Valerie Solanas, once again. I agree. Well, this is the first time ever on Kill James One that we've had to give a, a scum score of, ooh. Um, <laughs> wow. There we go. Watch, wa- watch this. Watch other feminist horror films. Watch The Descent. Watch A Girl Walks Home Alone oh, at the Night. The Descent is so fucking um, good. Yeah, we'll get so you back good. on for it. 
there's there's genuinely it's a, it's a burgeoning genre, and I I really like it as a sort of way of expressing feminine angst and terror. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really good. I really enjoyed Men. Um, one thing I will say, however, mm-hmm. if we do uh, want to start swinging towards more horror films, would be that I'm a little baby um, <laughs> and would find that very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> i'll do it i god knows i'll do it but i i am issuing a complaint up top <laughs> you better um, maybe well, watch the descent go... come on mm. i have to go and eat alice's boyfriend but before we do uh, <laughs> mia where can the people I'm find readying you my pool halberd <laughs> Yeah, the pool nice Mia, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me in my more nine. Everything is nine eleven conspiracy theories on um, <laughs> miamulder.com, which will take you to my YouTube channel, um, which is which is hey, good. Cool. Yeah, I know, right? Um, you can also find uh, the podcast that I do uh, called Leech Fest, which is a medical history podcast. If you want something completely different, although I, I guess in my next episode I'll talk about how comas are like nine eleven. And <laughs> genuinely, everything is about nine eleven. Would be a good like YouTube channel. I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, and if you want to uh, lodge a formal complaint in in the municipality of Solentuna, you can uh, send me an email to mia.mulder at solentuna.se, and I'll I'll lodge your complaint with the municipal planning board. <laughs> really offers every no, service. Thank you so much. Those, are my, those are my three current occupations: podcaster, YouTuber, and politician. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute delight. We will have to get you back on for the descent so we can scare. Oh, everyone. I'd love that. And I'll I, watch I still it. want to do freaking podcast. We said this last time we were here, Alice. Like we were going to do a yes, podcast together, yes. and we keep talking about it. But it's, I guess, time. But we, it, it will happen. It must happen. It will happen. How it many must. podcasts if you, if you can one woman podcast, make? <laughs> uh, if you wanna, if you wanna listen to a podcast with me and Mia, just stand by, right in, maybe, and uh, we'll see what we can make happen. In the meantime, thank you for listening. We have a Patreon. You don't have to subscribe to it. You can do after you've given money to food banks and everything else that you should be giving money to. Uh, for I think it's five dollars a month. Five quid. Uh, f- five pounds a month, for which you can get five a bonus a episode. We should have gone yeah, for dollars, uh, but we didn't. We went for pounds. $50,000 an hour uh, in in exchange for which you can get a bonus episode. The next one of which will be a and a because mm-hmm. we're overdue for one of those. That is right. Um, the next main on episode will be the earliest man from Uncle Phil. Oh, Christ. Yeah, which, whichever one I'm of those it is. <laughs> All right. See you for Bye. that. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Kill James Bond. Uh, as a reminder, it is currently the winter of content, so you do not have to be a patron to hear these episodes, these bonuses, these specials that we are putting out. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to forsake our patrons. That certainly doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and not read out. £15 and above patrons' names, and those are Christine Fox, Amanda Comet, Fawkes Winchester, Gustavo Lira, Jack Holmes, Paint McCalla, George Roack, Thomas Oberhardt, Nick Boris, Yarek, Nate Amori, Harriet de Kock, Coconut Crab, Corios, Benno Rice, Kit Divine, Library Hitman, Beef Crime, Callan Burney, Jonathan Gerdes, Jack 
Drummond, Max Gamenhart, Kentucky Fried Commie, Hell Bloodhands, J. Martin Del Top, O. Lysamesh, Jonathan Siegel, Big Titty Goth Girl, Mothman, Final Bond Girl, Harrison Fuller, Trip, Commissar Jen, Sydney Steckel, Tiger Otakuch, Ali Out of a Closet, Pauline, Will You Marry Jenna, uh, Safira Lucifer, <laughs> Danny Potter, Turfsy Chit and I Alone, Zoe Shepard, Elizabeth Cox, Finn Ross, Emily, Friend of the Show, Alfredo, Quinn Valeri, I Make Devon, Say This Out Loud, Wolfie, Big Old Boy, Ryo Leal, Al Irwing, Lucy Keeley, Josh Simmons, Lauren Bastin, Millie, and Bon LeBon. Thank you, each and every one of you, for helping this podcast exist. Kill James Bond is Alice, Abigail, and Devon. Our producer is the wonderful Nate Bethay. Our podcast art is by Matty Lubchansky. And our website is by Tom Allen. See ya.